suck. My name is Andy Herman, and with me is my wonderful co-host, Josh Patterson. What's up, Josh? Yo, Andy, how's it going, man? Uh, you know, it's going okay, Josh. Um, but you know, I was just thinking, theology doesn't suck, but you know what does suck? Uh, I have a variety of answers to that question, all of which are probably not appropriate, so we're going to move on. Uh, well, oh, I was gonna, the I was Washington gonna say, Capitals, they don't suck. Well, I was going to say, I was saying, you know what does suck, though, is oh, right now the Colorado the avalanche. avalanche. Yeah, dude, we <laughs> suck right now. Um, That's okay, the Caps suck right now, too, if oh, we're no, honest. Dude, They're losing to even, the Kings. You don't understand, Josh. I, we've gone, like, I want to say 5-15 and 5 in our last 25 games. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's super bad, man. man. It's sad. Um, Is that anyways, why you weren't on the the last episode because <laughs> you were uh, you were episode. moping was, about the avalanche i was mourning honestly yeah i was uh that's fair i i would i declared a fast unto the lord to pray <laughs> for the avalanche and that's uh, a good i don't think it worked i mean we'll see though i don't know i well, guess that just means I'll... i didn't pray hard enough right because like if you pray oh, hard enough sure. god will give you what you want right exactly yeah. oh okay. and oh you have to put it on your victory wall and declare oh, yeah. victory over it after yeah, you, you declare, declare victory, victory over, it, over it then god gives it to you right yeah you know what i saw something the other day i don't think this was like recent news but i saw something the other day uh that was you know kenneth copeland he's a well-known prosperity guy yes um, apparently he has said in the past like you should never say if the lord wills like you should never you should never caveat anything you ask for or anything you want with like if god wills it because like that's not having faith <laughs> like if you have real faith you'll you'll just know that god's gonna give it to you so yeah god's so just even... gonna will that yeah oh shoot dude i've been doing christianity all wrong yeah i know what i guess then kenneth copeland is in the camp that says james is not does not belong in the bible probably because you know there's that whole section in james 2 where he talks about how you should say if the lord wills right but uh but anyway well good old good old uh marty luther also was not a huge <laughs> fan <laughs> uh yeah that's a complicated issue he did once call james an epistle of straw that's, that's true fun. but i don't think oh it's a complicated issue i'm no i'm no luther scholar so i can't really speak to that i don't think he was he ever actually thought that it should be removed from the bible but he was also a very angry and uh belligerent he was a belligerent (laughs) man um he was a he was not known to uh watch what he said or be careful with how he said things so i'm a fan of him yeah i mean he (laughs) yeah he he was a i guess he was a necessary guy but he he definitely was pretty wild you know yeah my my favorite story dude for sure about about marty luther is uh so he was kind of a a a ba okay if you don't know what that means it's not bachelor of of associates yeah yeah or a bachelor of of arts Arts, it means something else google it or ask your parents uh but <laughs> there was a bit where like he got a like a papal bull basically like summoning him, right. which was a big deal. Like if you yeah. got the papal bull, like you pre- you should go. Basically, it's like if get the, the president papal was bull, like you, you have get to come the papal to the White horns. House. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, um, Marty Luther, got like the whole town together and held up the papal bull and set it on fire. 
yeah, in front of everybody. That. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. He's a cool person. <laughs> he is pretty cool, and he yeah. also liked beer, which is good. Good. Um, yes. Good. I'm actually not Very drinking good. beer tonight, though. I, I this is the first time ever that I have not been drinking a beer while we've recorded. Wow. It's, it's I I currently am enjoying. I was corrected earlier. Okay. It's Smithix. I always have said Smithwicks my whole life. Smithwicks. Is it like an Smithics. Irish thing? Yeah, it's an Irish red. It's actually fantastic. Wait, so it's pronounced Smithix? There's a W. Yeah, though. but it's it's smelled Smithwicks. Spelled yeah. <laughs> smells. It's spelled Smithwicks. But I was corrected. It's, but it's pronounced Smithix. All right, good to know. All right, oh, well, that's Irish people, man. They pronounce things weird. <laughs> what's up with that if you're irish and you're listening to this um I, i'm not sorry for what i said <laughs> dude one time <laughs> my dad was so embarrassed my neighbor growing up uh was irish miss trish okay and um i asked her now granted i was like 10 so cut me cut me some slack but i asked her I was like so in ireland they just speak english with an accent right <laughs> Oh, that's great. And she just about threw a beer bottle at me. And my she dad just laughed. What? She, she she got mad. No, no, like joking in a joking oh, way. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a cool lady, but I that I don't know. I haven't thought of that story in forever, but I remembered that. That's funny. You know what <laughs> accents I love, man, are Scottish accents. Oh. Dude, we anytime Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, we should do a whole podcast episode only in our favorite accent. So I'd have to do Borat, and you would do Scottish. I'd be really bad at it, but I do love Scottish (laughs) accents. Like, anytime I hear, especially, like, someone preaching or teaching with a Scottish accent, I automatically trust their theology, like, 20% more. Oh, dude. Yeah. I have reason to believe that might be why I'm such a fan of N.T. Wright, because anytime I hear him speak, you know, with his British accent... yeah. Adding British accent to, like, theology just... I'm like, wow, he must be really smart. The British were okay. They kind of flip-flopped a little. They didn't quite make it all the way out. They just went Anglican, you know, that's okay. But the the Scottish went full Presbyterian, and so... Oh, there you go. That's like, you know, they really went for the full Reformation. Sure. (laughs) Well... Sure. Oh, also... What's yeah. the what's the head pastor at Hillsong called? Brian Houston. Brian Houston. Oh, I do like okay. Australian accents too, but Hillsong has terrible theology. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we could debate that later. But Brian Houston, whenever I hear him speak, yeah, like on a podcast, I cannot help but picture that I'm listening to a sermon presented by Bruce from Finding Nemo. Like that's what it sounds like. <laughs> that, the Great yeah, White Shark. That's, that's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. Go listen to Brian Houston for the sole purpose of that. Just for the accent, not for the <laughs> theology. Um, well, speaking of accents, Josh, you know, we both know someone who doesn't have an accent. If you're American, or, or if you're not American, I guess he has an American accent. And he's sitting right next to you. He uh, is. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce our, our guest today. Right on. Uh, so, with us today is a good friend of mine. Uh, he is also a co-worker of mine, and his name is Chad. What's up, Chad? How, how is that spelled? It's spelled... Oh, uh, I was going to ask Chad to spell it. If, oh, if oh okay. Mind. Chad, yeah. you got this. <laughs> My name is spelled C-H-A-D. Okay, so there's it's the traditional spelling. Just wanted to make sure, you know. 
Yeah. Every once, I'm a every once in a while, <laughs> you get weird spell. <laughs> you get weird spellings. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Chad, why don't you, I guess we're, we're going to go more in-depth to your story later, but it would, we'd love if you could just give a quick intro of yourself. I don't know, whatever you feel like throwing in. Yeah, Fun I'll, facts. Yeah, I, um, my name is Chad. I work with Josh at a local church here in West Palm Beach. Um, I am not as big of a fan of hockey as you two guys. <laughs> I prefer football, and I am diehard Green Bay Packers fan. I um I'm 42 years old. I am the director of modern worship, where where I'm employed. Um, is that is that a good enough introduction? Yeah. Well. Yeah. You have some cool fun facts. Like you lived in pretty much a billion places, right? Yeah. My my I grew up as a military <laughs> kid. Uh, I lived okay. in a bunch of different places from California, Texas, Germany, where else? Wisconsin, Michigan, Colorado Springs. Florida, back to Texas, back to Germany, back to Texas, then finally to Florida, and then I graduated high school right then. So, a bunch of different places. I think I went to 11 different schools as a kid. Wow. Moved around a lot. Um, Went to a lot of different churches, actually. Um, Okay. Let me think of the different churches I I, I was in growing up. I was in a Nazarene church, Church of God, non denominational army chapels um uh, what's the what's the feel of army chapels i've always wondered <laughs> <laughs> like what what can you compare them to in the church world oh man it's like super like maybe quiet and very very traditional and very maybe cold and okay. non, so Presbyterian. Non-relational. <laughs> so Presbyterian. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, cool. And and uh, did you go to college for like music related stuff or anything like that? I didn't I didn't start out going for music, but I did end up landing there. I start I, my first 2 years of college I was studying engineering and then that that just didn't work out because chemistry wasn't my thing. And then <laughs> I switched over to business and accounting really wasn't my thing because my professor kind of like had a stroke and his Ooh. mouth hung open a little bit. And whenever he would look at my paper, his drool would fall onto my arm. And uh. I had a real tough time with that. <laughs> so I just transferred out of business because I couldn't take that. That just didn't work in my life. So wow. I got out of business. But at the same time... That was God's provenient <laughs> grace, Andy. Yeah, that was providential right there. <laughs> so then so then I switched over to music. I, I've always loved music. Um, I grew up... I started taking piano lessons at the age of six. And I took it all through high school, and then I eventually took it again in college when I got back into into music. And I, after I got my Associates of Arts degree in music, I transferred to Palm Beach Atlantic University, where I got a degree in church music. Oh, cool. And yeah. so... And so have you been working in vocational ministry ever since that point, or has it been on um, and off? Mostly on. Mostly okay. on. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, Josh, I'll let you just uh, fire away with uh, the topic for today. All right, cool. <laughs> so um, this will make more sense a little bit in a little bit, but um, basically we're going to uh, talk about um, homosexuality, 
within the Christian circle and more specifically uh, homosexuality in the church um, and in the context of context of church leadership. And so uh, that'll make more sense a little bit later as uh, we get on here into the episode. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to do just to be uh, fair to all parties present, but also uh, to make sure that our listeners are all on the same page is to kind of uh, define some terms if that's cool with you guys yeah it's cool, cool with, with us josh that was the <laughs> listeners oh cool <laughs> cool <laughs> dude that's really cool that they could that you got yeah. them on the podcast it's pretty impressive i know <laughs> <laughs> all right well so um i mean as you guys know like uh the the i don't know what to call it the gay debate the homosexuality <laughs> debate like whatever <laughs> Um, debate in the churches is, is relatively new. Um, and so there's, you know, other places in the world that aren't even having this debate yet. It kind of, you know, hasn't fully left the Western church. Um, and so that's a thing. But also, there, I guess there are three positions that people tend to fall into one of these three categories or maybe a little bit of uh, two of the categories together uh, when we talk about uh, homosexuality within the church. And so I wanted to share them briefly uh, just to get on the same page. So uh, the first view. Oh, also real quick, I'm going to be. I'm using a resource called a flexible faith, rethinking what it means to follow Jesus today, by an author called Bonnie. I want to say Christian is her last name. K R I S T I A N. And so this is a great, helpful little book. But she's going to help us lay out the three uh, positions. I just wanted to give her credit in case she ever listened to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'll uh I'll try to put that in the show notes if I remember, Josh. All right, right. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. That would be perfect. Um, ignore Andy's laughter. It has nothing to do with Josh. It's because being of Josh. It's Josh's fault. I'm always appropriate. Anyway, anyway, so she's we'll gonna lay I... out. She's gonna help us look at the three positions. The first one is uh, often dubbed the uh, traditional view on same-sex relationships. And this perspective basically says that. Uh, sexual and romantic relationships between people of the same sex are inherently sinful, and Christians who experience same-sex attraction are ex- uh, experiencing temptation to sin. And in this view, to accept this temptation as your legitimate, permanent sexual orientation, as a fixed part of your identity, is itself giving in to sin. And then um, they would also say within this camp that marriage is uh, necessarily a relationship between a man and a woman, and so to speak of gay marriage, um, blessed by God is like talking about a square circle. And so that's kind of okay. uh, the traditional camp. And then celibacy would be the second one. And so this camp would say that being attracted to people of the same sex is a result of living in a fallen, sinful world. But it is not itself sinful, nor is accepting this sexual orientation as a part of your identity. What is sinful is homosexual practice or engaging in gay relationships. Gay Christians must therefore uh, be celibate. So their big thing would be that gay activity is sinful, gay identity is not. So they kind of make a distinction there that the traditional camp wouldn't make. And then the final position um, is called affirming, um, or actually Bonnie likes to refer to it as maybe moving toward marriage. Um, but this whole view basically holds that Christians who believe gay relationships uh, aren't sinful also believe those relationships, just like a rom- romantic relationship between straight Christians, should, if possible, have marriage as their general goal. Um, okay. And so they'd be quick to point out uh, and, af- 
and affirm that like pro, uh, promiscuity or ignoring what God says about sex is um, not good. Rather, it says, you know, they would say that um, it's appropriate for Christians of any orientation to express their sexuality in the content or in the context of faithful, monogamous, Christ-centered relationships. And so basically they would, uh, you know, kind of point out that for Christians in this camp, it's significantly a question of cultural context. Um, and then they would, this approach also leans heavily um, on the larger script- scriptural themes of love, unity, and Christian liberty. All right. And so those are kind of the three camps. And then also, um, I'd be interested to see what you think about this, Andy. She kind of points out uh, that um, with all these things in mind, um, we can't forget that this is an issue where Christians are allowed to disagree. She would say this is a, a doctrine-level question um, instead of a, a dogma-level question. And that, um, like I said, Christians can disagree. And so what we must learn to do as faithful Christians um, is to basically hold these views in tension without trying to kick our opponents out of the faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would... I you know I'm the mean the mean crotchety reformed guy so uh, I would I would kind of disagree with that but kind of agree I guess you know I would say um, I, it isn't obviously a central tenet of the faith or a central issue of the faith um, so I believe that you could have a wrong view on it and still be saved because you're saved by faith in Christ not by how perfect your theology is there's a lot of people who like historical figures who I respect who had glaring sin issues that you know today we're like wow how could you possibly that possibly be that stupid but still they had faith in christ and a lot of the rest of their theology was really good so um i definitely wouldn't kick someone out of the kingdom in the sense of saying there's no way you could be saved uh but i would say it's like a clear i it seems to me to be a very clear issue in scripture and so i wouldn't say it's just like believe whatever you want either sure sure um and for the record, while we're doing this, uh, I would, for if any of our listeners are going to be surprised by this, I would probably hold to more of the traditional view. Um, I do the the thing I would want to clarify with that with though is that I don't uh, when I when I say I hold that view, I, it's not that I think that everyone who uh, has homosexual desire is going to magically become straight if they become a Christian. Like I don't think that's how it works. And I do think celibacy is a legitimate option. So in some sense, maybe that the name of that middle position can be a little misleading. Like I think celibacy is a legitimate option. Um, But I would say I'm more aligned with the traditional camp because I think the desire itself is sinful. Just like I think uh, like lustful desire in a heterosexual man is sinful. Sure. Uh, I think that the desire itself is sinful too. And so I don't think that just avoiding doing things is like all that it takes i think you know and for the for the same thing like for heterosexual men i don't think that like oh well i didn't like actually sleep with any other women so i can like think about them or watch porn or whatever like i don't think that's cool either so okay uh i would say that's consistent with how i view all sexual sin issues okay but yeah yeah i guess um for me i would fall somewhere between the uh, the affirming and celibacy bit um, because I wouldn't want to take away the celibacy bit from somebody who might view that as like a viable option for them. Um, mm-hmm. But then also like, I don't know, I tend to err on the side of grace is, is the best way I can, I can put it. 
I, I think we might be able to guess, Chad, is there a camp that you might fall into <laughs> on this on this issue or debate? Yeah, um, I guess I would fall into the affirming camp. Um, that being said, I, with theology, I still go approach it with open hands because I think mm-hmm. our theology is consistently being shaped and formed by the relationships we have with people and the relationships we have with God. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Cool. And actually, interesting note, I, this probably doesn't matter at all, but when I when I first became a Christian, I was very, very strongly in the affirming camp. Like, oh, right I, I got mad when I heard people uh, talk about, like, homosexuality being wrong and things like that. Yeah. And so I, the, the reason I say that is I'm not, like, approaching this from a point of, like, I've just always thought it was icky, and so that just feels like the right <laughs> view to me. Like, sure. it was, I came to this view because of, like, because scripture convicted me, not because of my predisposition, so to speak. Right on. No, that's inter- I think that's interesting, too, because I think a lot of times more people experience the opposite. They mm-hmm. grow up always being told, you know, the traditional view, and then they kind of more lean towards the, uh, the affirming view as they get older. So that's interesting yeah. that you kind of have the opposite experience there. Yeah. And, uh, and speaking of personal experiences, uh, one of the things we want to do today... <laughs> Is and one of the reasons we have Chad on is yeah. is one of the main features of this episode is we want Chad to share a little bit about his story. So I don't know if Josh, if you had somewhere you wanted to start with that, or Chad, if you had thoughts on where you wanted to jump in, but uh, let's let's go for it. Sweet, yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, so I guess first off, Chad, if you could just kind of give us a little bit. I mean, you did this a little bit earlier, but maybe just to refresh us, uh, tell us about like your experience growing up. Did you go to church? Like, what was that like? Those kind of things. Yeah, I grew up in church in the in the eighties, I guess. And um old man. <laughs> old man, I'm forty two. Man. Yeah, I grew up in church and I was that, that typical church kid that was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, vacation Bible school. Anytime there was a church event, I was definitely there. So I, I grew up in in the church. I, I remember coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when I was seven at a Sunday night service when the preacher was talking about hell and how terrible it was. And I knew at seven that it sounded like a scary place. So I asked Jesus into my heart because I didn't want to go there. Um, but then when I was when I was 14, I, I was in youth group. I was in Germany at the time. We, um, we, we had a, a cool opportunity to go to a small island in the Mediterranean for a week called Ibiza, Spain. And when, when I was there... There was, there was a guest artist there. His name was Rick Kua. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Super old. Mm-mm. He was even old in the 80s and early <laughs> 90s. Um, <laughs> but I just remember I, I just had an experience with God when I was 14. And, and I felt a calling on, on my life to go into ministry. Um, and and it, was very, it was a very confusing time for me. I, I, regave, I gave myself to, to God one more time at the age of 14. I think at 14 I was able to understand it a little bit better what, what I was really doing than when I was 7. But I was a little confused on that trip because during that time I'd been having these feelings about attraction to my male friends. And, and I didn't know what to do with that. Because the stories that I had been heard, that had been taught to me from the church were that feelings like that and those kind of attractions, that that's an abomination to God. And I was trying to wrestle with what that meant at the age of 14 
but also mm-hmm. wanting to give my life to serving God in ministry. And, and I also heard, um, I, 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 it was the typical things like growing up in church where they would separate the boys from the girls and go talk about who you're supposed to be attracted to. And they're like, all right, boys, don't lust after women. And I remember thinking, no problem. I got that one. We are good. Check. <laughs> so, um, so, so I grew up knowing that I wasn't like everyone else and, and knowing that, um, that, that, I, that I was a little bit different from what I was hearing being taught to me. And I can remember many a nights in, in high school, actually, just coming home from, from, from school and wrestling with these ideas. And I would cry myself to sleep just trying to figure out, guy, God, why did you make me like this? I want to serve you. I want to love you. But yet I have this thing inside of me that's just killing me. And it's so confusing. And I, and I grew up with that my, my entire childhood, really. Um, just trying to figure out how I fit into a Christian context, knowing that my attractions were not like what the Bible tells me I should should be. So that that was me growing up in high school and in the church. All right, right on, man. Well, first off, thank you, you know, for sure for your one for your honesty and your openness and your willingness to to come on and talk to us about this because I know it's not. Um, necessarily an easy thing to do so thank you first off um but also so yes yeah, so with i mean you kind of talked about how things were confusing um you know so what like kind of how did what did you do with that did you um fight things for a period of time did you just kind of give in secretly did you like what what was that experience like as far as um how you handled uh, your desires versus your understanding of of god well, I definitely didn't talk about it with anybody because I, I knew that would just put a target on my back and I didn't want to be that open and that vulnerable because I seriously thought I was the only person in the entire world that felt like that. Like, I knew it. Like, God, you screwed up. You didn't make me right. There's no one else. There's no other Christian on the entire planet that could possibly be dealing with what I'm dealing with. And that's the world in which I grew up in. Um, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you did. But what? It, so how did you, like, how did oh, you respond to that? Did you, it? like, all right, here's a silly question. Like, did mm-hmm. you try to, like, oh, I'm going to go look at girls' boobs online to see if, you know, whatever. Like, that sounds like a, and I'm not trying to be dismissive <laughs> yeah, so or good. funny or make light of the situation. But, like, I know, you know, with, you know, my brother, um, my brother is, is gay as well, if, if our listeners didn't know that. I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, but he had a similar experience. And so, like, what, like, what did that look like, if that makes sense? I can remember um, going to the library and trying to find books on psychology, trying to figure out if there was anything I could do to fix myself. And, and I, would, I would go and research and try to find anything I could on the topic very discreetly because I didn't want anyone to know what I was actually reading because that would have been embarrassing. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I tried to... Yeah, I've done... I've done if there's anything I could have done to fix myself, <laughs> I tried it because I knew that's what God wanted me to do, or so I thought. Okay. So I thought. Okay. Um, and it's coming in later in life that I'm realizing that God made me exactly the way he wanted me to be. And the more I try to disrupt his creation, <laughs> I, that's more of an abomination than, 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 than accepting who I truly am and who he is and making me the way I am. Okay. Right on. That, that's where I've landed. 
Sweet. Um, so... So, I, I have a Yeah, question, go for it. If go for it. So, as you... So, coming out of high school, um, I don't know if you could maybe walk us through what it looked like for you as you started to accept it or when you started to, I guess, like, you know, come out and be open about it with pe- with people in your churches and things like that. Mm-hmm. How how that was received, how other Christians treated you, how, what that kind of looked like. Um, I didn't have my, I guess, first gay experience with another guy until I was at a private Christian school <laughs> in college. So, okay. so that was very very secretive that was just between me and him nobody knew anything and we just kept it at that um our relationship started and it ended nobody knew anything about it and i felt super guilty about it i felt like i'd betrayed the church i betrayed god that i had disqualified myself from ever being used in ministry ever again for the rest of my life and that i may as well just do a swan dive right into hell and just sit there for the rest of my life that's kind of where I landed with that. But then, so then God had to start rebuilding me back up. And, um, yeah. What, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so like, was there, I know that I already know your feelings about the whole coming out thing, like how it's silly because straight people don't declare like, Hey, I'm straight. Hooray. (laughs) Um, but like, Mm -hmm. when did you have like a, like a coming out experience? Like how old were you in that? No, like when that happened. Um, I was uh, twenty-eight or twenty-nine when I finally came out. A friend of mine, she came with me to my parents' house it, on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of ironic. I went there to to let them know that I um that I have I am coming out, but also to let them know that I am checking myself into a gay rehab center to see if that that could fix me because at that point in my life I was I was done trying to fix myself. I had done everything under the sun. I'd prayed many times and God just didn't respond in the way that I thought he should have. So I I I, I had one final, I guess, authentic prayer. Where I told God to go F himself <laughs> and then I said, God, I don't care what it takes just you can have my job you can have my car you can have my house you can have my friends you can have my reputation you can have it all just rip this out of me so yeah i decided to get checked into a a gay rehab center it was called love in action it was in memphis tennessee and it's kind of like one of those pray the gay away camps i call it gay camp <laughs> so so i was about 29 when i checked myself into that and it cost about $7,000 to go there for three months. And after about two months, I had flunked out. I had finally made some real connections with other gay men. And I, they weren't as scary as I thought that they would be because I just had this thought of gay men just being super scary, perverted, creepos. And that's just kind of what I thought gay was. So when I was in gay rehab, I came to the conclusion that gay men are not super scary, creepy weirdos, that they're human beings like the rest of e- of creation. And I um, eventually flunked out of gay rehab because I realized I was accepting who I was more there than I ever had outside of trying to get fixed. Hmm. 
Wow. So so up until that point, that's interesting. So that that was kind of a turning point for you in in how you understood yourself and your desire. Then it was it, it was an okay. interesting time for sure. So did it and, and from oh go ahead. I was just gonna say so did it kind of have like a almost like the opposite effect that you in, it sounds like it had the opposite effect that you intended it to have because you said if anything you learned more about yourself. Yeah, I was I was stripped down just completely like physically, emotionally. I was at, at rock bottom. I was completely bare and vulnerable and I just started getting built up in this gay rehab place and and I realized that I am who God created me to be and I realized that there is nothing I can do or can't do that can make God love me any more or any less than he has does and always will. So I'm like, here I am, God. I'm your creation. You've made me like this. And I think it's time for me to trust that you were right. Right on. All right. Well, um, and then, so then after that, I guess, just to kind of continue to get to where we are now in the story, uh, from that point, did you start intentionally seeking out affirming churches? Or what was the journey like from there in terms of, how that affected your your church life and your faith and and stuff going forward. So coming out of gay rehab, I um I moved back in with my parents initially, and I was just kind of starting to rejourney through life. And at that point, my parents were still in the camp that that I could be fixed and that I would eventually marry a woman and have kids of my own and everything would be happy. But that's not what my story is. Um, so I yeah I moved back in with my parents and I I was job hopping for a little while and eventually I I got work in churches again and I landed in the Methodist Church probably seven, eight years ago and that was the first I guess affirming congregation that I had been a part of so that was like a whole new okay. con a whole new concept for me that there was a church that wasn't gonna condemn me and throw me out and kick me out because i identified as a gay man okay and and just out of curiosity in your experiences before that in churches that hold more of i guess the traditional view on homosexuality um obviously you said you never really you 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 didn't really talk to like people in the church about it that right girl prior to gay rehab or yeah prior to yeah gay no rehab. no i definitely did not okay i did not and was that because did you did you just always have a sense that it would be like like the unforgivable sin that it wouldn't be somebody they would want to yeah walk through I, with you? I, I did think that. In fact, when I was in my mid twenties, I um I, I actually asked a woman to marry me. Um, wow. Yeah, because I I knew I I, re- I was in a place where I was like God, I I, I just want to try doing it. You, what people are telling me is your way, so I'm going to do my best to fall in love with this girl and I'm going to trust that you are going to make everything work out and all of that. I'm going to ask her to marry me and I'm going to live a life that is full and pleasing to you. So I, um, I, I wrote the song. I played the guitar. We were at the beach on the final strum. I, I dropped the pick. I had the ring in my hand and I presented her the ring and told her how much I loved her and I asked her to marry me and she said no and i think i thanked god because that would have been a really bad thing for me to get married to a woman 
Alright, well. Um Yeah, so is there is there anything else I guess before I think I think one of the things we're hoping to do is just talk about some takeaways from your story and maybe uh just what it looks like to to deal with the question or issue of homosexuality in churches, but is there anything else just like from your own personal experience being in churches and, and yeah, uh, I would, dealing with this that you want to share? Yeah, I would say that the the church hasn't always been a loving and embracing place for me and that that there were times where church people, good church people who 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 really thought that they were doing things right were using scripture to try to fix me. Scripture about abominations and sinfulness and scriptures like trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your understandings and all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and they would emphasize straight and they would just use scripture to just try to convince me that I could be better they would use scripture to try to convince me how wrong I was in my thought processes and they they would tell me you're just a, a product of an unhealthy environment um your dad wasn't around enough and you you're you're all confused and wired wrong and and we can we can fix this we can we can make this right in your life and and just i just feel sometimes the church can use scripture inappropriately and it can cause a lot of damage and i think that i have experienced a lot of emotional damage from from things being said like that from good church people Hmm. and then um Real quick, too, Chad, before we get to the application bit. Um, now, if it because if it wasn't made clear, you currently serve full time as the director of modern worship on paid staff at a church, right? I do. So, how what has your experience with that been? Has you know working at the church always been very positive? Have people pushed back against that? Like, what has that experience looked like um, serving in full time ministry as a worship uh, leader? you know, as yeah, an openly gay yeah. man. I know I said that I, I was part of the Methodist church being a, a very affirming place. Well, this is the this is the second Methodist church I've, I've been a part of, and the second one was not as affirming as the first one. And when I applied and got the job at the second one, um, the staff kind of makes, makes a joke out of it and calls it the mass exodus <laughs> because a lot of people left the church because of my presence there. And that that was kind of a hard thing to to try to deal with as well even as as a 40 year old guy um that that hurt knowing that families were running away from the church because i exist and i'm there and i'm being trusted with ministry right on thank you do you have anything to follow that up um, i i don't know i mean i one thing I want to say right away, I mean, is I, I already shared at the beginning of the episode uh, that I have the hold the more traditional view that, you know, um, that homosexuality is sinful. But I do want to say wh- one of the things that really saddens me about about Chad's story, I guess, is that I think a lot of times Christians who do hold the traditional view can can handle it so poorly. Sure. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> to say the like, least. Yeah, and can make it seem like, even if it's unintentionally, can make it seem like homosexuality is like one of one of like the worst sins, you know? Like it's like so much <laughs> worse than everything else. It can't be, and like that saddened me to hear. Like if that Chad never felt comfortable 
uh, talking about it or sharing, you know, with, with leaders in, in his churches, with people who were supposed to be shepherding him, um, because, because of how it was presented. And, and so one of the things that, that just drives home for me and for a lot of our listeners who I think probably hold the same position I do is that, uh, we need to be just like we are with every other sin issue. We need to be pastoral in how we handle, uh, homosexuality, right? We can't just like, uh, beat people over the head about it um we have to we have to be thoughtful in how we handle it and so that really it saddens me when i see it handled so so poorly oh yeah for sure too and i mean that that saddens me as well but also it it hits me too more on a personal level um one not just because you know chad is a a really good friend of mine but two also because uh my brother my middle brother um jordan is also gay and we he had a very similar experience like i remember when my brother came out i want to say it was around when he was in seventh grade jordan if you're listening to this and i got it wrong don't hate me um (laughs) but like i think it was around there and people like literally people in the church were texting him like you're going to hell we got kicked we got kicked out of the church i was currently at like your family is no longer welcome here and like Parents were having their kids, like, text my brother hateful things. Parents were texting my parents hateful things. And, I mean, luckily, there's there's two very, you know, two people from that church that are still huge influencers in my life that, although they didn't affirm my brother, they also didn't exile him the way everyone else did. And that was my youth yeah. pastor, Justin, and also my good friend, Pastor Marciano, who was... I guess ironically the worship pastor at the time. I I have okay. this here's the thing about me Andy, I have a common pattern in my life where I make friend friends with worship pastors. I don't know why that is, but okay. I have I have some well, very good know, friends youth, that are worship pastors. <laughs> youth pastors and worship pastors go together. That's true. Um, That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it is sad I mean a lot of traditional churches don't don't handle it well at all and it's it's really sad because I think a lot of people are driven away um and and even driven away from christianity altogether yeah i I would say probably a lot of the time because uh they're not treated like everyone else is treated um and that is i think it's just like any other sin it needs to be dealt with seriously and treated as a sin but i it's sad when people um react so violently and hatefully toward it in a way they wouldn't with with any other sin yeah for sure yeah most definitely um um yeah so i guess i mean that's my big takeaway from from the story if we're going there is just to remember to handle it in a healthy and loving loving way not in a violent and angry and hateful way but i don't know what what stuck out to you josh um well i think that that bit stuck out to me um what you just brought up but also something that um that stands out to me is that normally or I, I don't want to say normally i guess stereotypically when you hear stories uh, similar to chad's uh you don't always hear people um who uh like full full on go like the you know this is wrong i'm going to fight against this i'm going to check myself into gay rehab i'm going to do everything in my power you know i'm going to pray to god to whatever it takes to take this away like normally uh, you don't hear that kind of story. Um, and then when you do, a lot of the times you hear, um, 
stories about like you know people will say they go to gay rehab and then um, they come out and they're straight magically but then what happens is in those studies if you look up statistically those marriages last for a very short time and then those people end in divorce and they you know they go living you know a, a homosexual lifestyle gay lifestyle whatever you want to say um, so like I think I don't know if anything I want to commend Chad on his willingness to like he in my opinion Chad went all in like and he stuck with um, his interpretation of scripture he stuck with his understanding of God he tried to do everything in his power and then try to go outside of himself and have God do everything in his power to change to change quote change him um, and like and now he's in the place that he is now and I think with all of the negative experiences um, the willingness to still like I mean Chad gets up every single morning and gives his all to work full-time in ministry and then on Sundays like leads a kick-ass worship service you know with an awesome team sings his heart out for God and like he does that even with having the shit experiences that he has had in the past and like I if anything that has to be some kind of a testament to Chad's one faith in God and two his belief in the gospel and and in the message of of Jesus and his relationship uh, with Jesus and and God as well. So if anything like that, that really stands out uh, for me. Chad, I don't know. I I don't want (laughs) to just like jump past you now that you're done, like sharing the stories that do you have any thoughts, anything you want to add on to anything we've said so far? I do. I I just want to thank Josh for those kind words. I really appreciate you seeing me like that because that's 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 who i am you see me for who i am um um yeah i don't i don't know what more i would add at this point okay that if if not that's okay i just wanted to make sure i didn't want to like ditch you now that you're (laughs) now that you were had told the story you know i want to make sure you're still involved um yeah i don't know josh i i do you have any other thoughts? Um, do you, I mean, I, I mean, I have I have a thought I can share. Um, okay, and it's one that I wrestle with, man, and and you know maybe I think I've I've said this to you before, and and you gave me an answer. Uh, I don't, and I don't want to be dismissive of your answer, but like I guess it just didn't do it for me. So you can maybe try again. But uh, <laughs> All right, let's... so. Like one thing, you know, that we that we see in scriptures is Jesus always talks about, um, you know, you can tell a good a good tree by its fruits. And so I so clearly I work with Chad and I attend a worship service every single Sunday um, where an openly gay man is is leading worship like he is the worship Mm -hmm. leader leading the team, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I see good fruit coming out of those experiences. Like I see God openly working in and through, um, you know, Chad every single Sunday. Um, yeah. You know, leading powerful worship services where I mean, you know, it, it clearly the Holy Spirit is present. Like people are in, are engaging. And I know Chad always jokes about that. People just kind of stand around sometimes because it's a Methodist church. But, like, there's a really cool thing happening in our church right now where people are engaging at a level um, that I haven't seen since I've been there. And uh, Chad would, 
I guess maybe affirm that too. Like something special is is happening right now in that in that nine thirty service. I mean, so it's it's hard for me to write that off. Um, now mm-hmm. I I do know that you know God uh, works through all of us, you know, broken or or whatever. Um, but still, I feel like I don't know that that I don't know what it says to me. But it says something to me that I can't easily just kind of uh, let go of, so to speak. Yeah, I would... Um, so two, two things I would want to maybe say out throughout there in response to that. First of all, uh, I think I might have said this at the beginning of the episode, or maybe this was when we were talking before, I don't know. Um, but, like, I'm, I'm not going to judge anyone's salvation just because of this issue, obviously, like... Right on. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I can't judge whether Chad is saved, and I can't. I mean, I can't judge whether you're saved. I don't. I don't know your heart. Only the Lord knows your heart, and we're not. Yeah. We're saved by our faith in Christ, and uh, there are lots of figures throughout history in the church who have done some great things for Christ and great things for God's glory, who have had glaring sin issues in their life. Um, that this might feel like an offensive comparison, but it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> All right. So I'm sorry. This, it's just the only example I can think of off the top of my head, but like Jonathan Edwards, for example, uh, very famous preacher and theologian had a huge influence on the American church, but he also had slaves. Like he had a glaring sin issue. Yeah. And so God used him. Right. And, and he, as far as, I mean, if I was pressured to answer, I would say, yes, I think he was saved, but I don't know for sure. I mean, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I say all that to say I can't judge someone's heart. So just because I believe homosexuality is a sin doesn't mean I'm saying, like, there's no way that anyone who's gay can be saved. Like, I'm not saying that. Right, right. Um, I would, on the counterbalance of that, though, I would want to say that just because something good is happening, it doesn't mean it's an affirmation sure. of, of every lifestyle choice or everything about that person. Um and so, because because God works through people all the time, good and bad, uh, in various ways, and a lot of times you have people who are who follow the Lord very closely and very well, who have uh, really hard lives and very, re- relatively speaking, fruitless ministries. <laughs> um, That's and so fair. I think it's it can be dangerous to judge like an appearance of success as affirmation or uh rejection that's fair i think that's a better answer than you gave me the first time (laughs) okay well good i'm glad (laughs) glad i was able to do that but um Um, sweet do you uh do you personally andy have any more like questions that you would like to ask if not i have one that's that's why i'm asking you okay why why don't you fire away first and i'll see if anything pops into my mind all right chad hopefully this isn't too hard of a question but is there anything that you would like to say um, for people that maybe are finding themselves in a similar position that you did when you were a teenager, um, if there are people listening to the podcast right now that, that are finding themselves in that similar place, uh, what would you say to them, if anything? I, I, would, I would very strongly say that, that God was right in making you exactly the way that you are because God... Um, he, he he just he, he made you right that you don't have to doubt whether you were made wrong you don't have to doubt whether you're you were made not 
in, a, in like a sinful way. God made you in a perfection of a way. I would definitely say that. And I also would say that just because you're having these attractions that maybe you feel are not appropriate or you're hearing that you're that they're not right that does not qualify you from be, disqualify you from being used by God and you can serve God and love God and he will be your salvation and you can have faith in him and, and you're going to be all right you're going to be all right and and one day we're going to be celebrating in a very fabulous section of heaven together <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sweet all right well thank you chad again seriously thank you for uh for coming on and um you know being yeah, open thank you. I appreciate, and transparent i appreciate everything i appreciate your willingness to uh come on even though you knew i was gonna be here and be me <laughs> um, yeah man it was a pleasure it was it was really great thank you for giving me an opportunity and, yeah th- thank you for sharing and i just want to say too from from my from the traditional standpoint, uh, both to you, Chad, and to as maybe my thoughts to anyone who's listening, uh, for me and for so many others who hold the traditional viewpoint, it's not like I don't hate gay people, <laughs> and so that's a good I hope thing. That it doesn't come across <laughs> that way. Well, but I'm serious. I, I hope it doesn't come across that way, and I I hope that people who who have same sex attraction out there know that there are lots of Christians who hold the traditional view on homosexuality who don't hate them oh sure so i hope i hope that you can you can find people to talk to and and that you're around people in churches that that are willing to talk to you and walk through that with you even if they don't think it's a the right thing to do so um i was thinking too this kind of just popped in my head uh there's there's a book uh by jackie hill perry i think that i was gonna put in the show notes it's called gay girl good god okay so that's about jackie hill perry someone who was living you know an openly gay lifestyle um and and then came to the i guess traditional view but i don't know chad or 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 josh if there were any opposing resources you wanted i'm happy to put those in the show notes as well to to share the full spectrum of views represented here well if you here let me see I can, and I'll text these to you as well, Andy, in the back of what um, this book that we started with, uh, A Flexible Faith by Bonnie, does really well at the end of each chapter. She gives, I mean, there's at least 15 different books listed here all over the place on this issue. She does a really good job of of giving solid resources for any position that is brought up. I mean, you'll like this, Andy. She even lists Kevin DeYoung's book, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality?, in her show, in her in her show nights, in her right, in her well, learn more section, so I can send you some so, of these. So send me some of those, and and we'll, I'll make sure to share in the show notes um, a a book or two representing like the spectrum of positions. So you'll sure. be able to learn more about uh, the traditional view and and the affirming view and all that kind of stuff. So thank you for listening. Um, this has been. I think this will be a good episode. Once I think so. It. It's pretty about baller. It. Um, thank you once again, Chad, for coming on. We really appreciate it, man. My pleasure. And go Packers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he stole my thing at I say, except he have, said Packers. Have you been, since you're a football fan, Chad, have you watched the AAF at all? No. That's that new football league? No, I have not. Okay. Jo- Josh, have you heard about this? I have, but I have not it's... watched it. Okay. I haven't either. I saw one clip on, like, Facebook or something, but I was just curious. It, uh, anyway. Uh, that's the American Association of Football, for those who are curious. It's a new league that just started. But um, 
to get back to business, thank you for listening to Theology Doesn't Suck. We're so glad you joined us for this episode. Uh, you can find us online at theologydoesn'tsuck.com or on Instagram, which is managed by Josh Patterson, Hooray! Uh, which is at Theology Doesn't Suck. So I'm not responsible for any heresy that pops up on there. That's why I mentioned that. <laughs> Every heresy um, <laughs> is screened by Andy and approved. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, at Theology Doesn't Suck on Instagram. Uh, on our website, theologydoesn'tsuck.com, we have blog posts, which I think Josh's first blog post should be coming out sometime soon. Yeah, I'm being a uh, total butthole about that. I'm working yeah, on it, man. It's slow. coming. I'm I sorry. Got, I got another one coming up soon, too. Throw um, yours up, man. Even if mine's not up yet, you got this. <laughs> okay. All right. And we have, a, we have a contact us page, so if you have any questions, any episode suggestions, uh, or any angry rants, etc., you're you're free to uh, contact us through there. Um, you can also find past episodes and all that jazz on our website. Uh, I think that's about it. So, except I have to say my thing. Let's go, Caps. Oh, yeah. Well, you're supposed <laughs> to wait till the very end. Oh yeah. That, oh, though. sorry, sorry. I'll shut yeah, up now. You Ready? messed up. Try again. Go. Yeah. And all right. See. So I, th- I think that's it. So so thanks for listening. Have a great week and uh, join us next time. Let's go, Caps. Nailed it.